0: This episode is brought to you by Tans Dance Academy. Pirouette your way into a world of wonder where our, spellbinding instructions, <coughs> where our spellbinding instructors will teach you how to dance with the best students from around the world. Submit your application today and embrace the magic of dance with Tans Dance Academy.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with all the subgenres within.
0: I am Devon Taylor, one of your co-hosts, joined with me as always by Mr. Garrett McDowell. I loved how when you picked up your bong and put it to the mic and lit it, at the same time I picked up my iced coffee and started to sip it, which I feel like is a pretty <laughs> succinct way to describe the vibe on this podcast between you and I. <laughs> pretty much. You're, a, you're an iced coffee guy.
1: I'm a hot tea guy. You know, This is why we mix well.
0: Yeah, we got a, a little early morning uh, episode, just finished like breakfast before we started recording this, so it's like, we got like a little brunch conversation here to uh, discuss the film uh, that we'll be talking about today.
1: Oh yeah, and, and I, I wonder if anybody can ever notice the different times because- uh, <laughs> Based that, on, yeah, the vibe. <laughs> yeah, like the, the earlier in the morning, I definitely have a, a more uh, 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 vibrato, uh, like um or not vibrato, but like um, my my voice just quite isn't awake yet. And I still got the fry going,
0: the vocal fry.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny because whenever I do other podcasts, they always tend to record like more earlier in the daytimes. And so so I kinda sound different whenever I'm on other podcasts versus whenever we're doing this one. Um, since we usually record in like the afternoons typically. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah i I, i'm i'm good all day around i feel like this is a a a podcast that works you know we can do the late night convos the early morning convos it's just horror all the time never stop
1: (laughs) yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna uh you know it's a it's a nice stretch for the day you know as as you would prepare (laughs) that for the day as you would prepare for a dance routine and uh very excited to get into again i like that for our remake mania we were able to kind of uh, cover the different types of remakes uh, in, in the different corners that we've been describing because mm-hmm. now we're closing out on what I would say is like the, uh, the reimagining um, in, the, in the remake reboot uh, kind of canon here.
0: Yeah, I've really honestly loved uh, all of the conversations that we've had this month. I think that uh, all of the remakes that we've discussed kind of cover the different corners of, of what a horror remake can be. Uh, and I think that this is yet another example of a filmmaker taking such an iconic, uh, what would I think would be kind of a, a daunting task, uh, and remaking it into something totally different and totally fresh and new. And then I think for people who love both of these films, I think it's going to be for totally different reasons. Uh, I think that both of these movies are such different flavors of horror uh, that it was really nice to be able to... Watch them with a different lens than kind of what I initially had watched it, uh, and watch it more of a, I know what Argento um, is going to deliver here, and I know what uh, Guadagnino is going to deliver, and let's appreciate them on their own merits, compare and contrast, but not necessarily in a what's better, what's greater, you know, kind of um, angle, just more of uh, uh, an appraisal of each, you know? Yeah, I, I think uh, through the through the episodes that we've done, I think we've done a pretty good job
1: of yes comparing and contrasting them like kind of you know side by side and uh in kind of direct manners but then also in uh, their own respective ways but then it's uh not again yeah the the conversations haven't been um exactly of yeah which one is done better it's just you know done which um you know by your preference and I think that these two movies um uh, you know that we're talking about today are like the the key example of like you know the you know the preferences that you will take in in um in the in the telling of one story versus
0: you know one way or another exactly yeah uh definitely excited to uh, revisit both of these movies it's actually been a few years uh, since i talked about them so let's go ahead and dive on into the conversation i can't wait oh
1: Suspiria originally released February 1st, 1977, with the remake coming out October 26, 2018. Um, we got two um, very iconic directors in their own respectives uh, per, uh, taking on this story. We have Dario Argento directing the original, um, one of the uh, kings of giallo films, um, even though Suspiria isn't necessarily a giallo film. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Uh, there's a, that's a hot debate. We'll get into that with subgenres. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the remake done by Luca Guagnino, who uh, previously had done like a bigger splash and uh, Call Me By Your Name. So this was kind of a interesting pivot into the genre realm. Um, This was, um, the original was written by Argento and his wife, Daria Nicolodi. Um, She was an actor in many of his films, and she also co-wrote Inferno with him. Um, And it was, this is based off of a book of poetry, uh, Suspiria De Profundis. Um, It was like a, um, a collection of essays um that have kind of now been described as like prose poetry so um interesting uh to kind of take for for a um for um base material for this Mm -hmm. and then the remake was done by uh was written by david cash um hope that i got that one right i don't know (laughs) cal you tell me um uh, but uh he kind of it's it's listed as based off of the original screenplay, not the book of poetry. So I think that, you know, that kind of goes into the reimagining of um, that. Uh, Luca kind of described this as one to be like an homage to the original film rather right. than um, a, another adaptation of the, the book
0: of poetry. Yeah, you kind of, you do sort of get this interesting, uh, like, telephone version of, you know, the original story. It's a a, a remake of a reimagining of that book of poetry, and I think that um, Guadagnino does a lot of uh, interesting things visually to kind of tip its hat in in an interesting way. But above all, I'd really just uh, appreciate what Guadagnino is able to do with this story and really make it his own, which I think probably more than I would say most if not all horror remakes this just totally feels like a complete deviation but not in a way of you know uh not in a way that it kind of betrays the the original but really truly like in the truest sense of the word reimagines it like we've talked a lot about kind of the remake reboot uh those different definitions uh and Mm -hmm. I think that this is uh truly uh, uh it's kind of its own thing in a way
1: Yeah, I I find it fascinating because, I mean, this is now our second Guadagnino film after we did Bones and All last year. Mm -hmm. And so I find fascinating that, you know, his other films that are non-genre are the ones that uh, are the more original ideas versus um, these uh, genre pictures are adaptations that he's doing because that one was based off a novel as well. So I, I think it's interesting that like his more original stories, you know, that they come to him from within and they're kind of presented in more dramatic fashions. I mean, mm-hmm. aside from Call Me By Your Name, also an adaptation, so um, I'd kind of say he's about 50-50 in his filmography of adaptations yeah. versus non, but uh, I find it interesting that he seems to be, I guess, inspired more in the, in the genre realm and kind of wanting to do adaptations yeah. rather than his kind of own thing with it.
0: Yeah, and I'm just constantly, like, fascinated by this filmmaker because I think that there's a lot of directors out there nowadays that when they're working on a new movie, you kind of know what you're going to expect. Not to say that they're not going to surprise you or the movie's not going to have elements that are surprising, but I think more um, stylistically, I would say thematically, too, I, I, I look at someone like um, Ari Aster or Robert Eggers as well, filmmakers that I really love and I do think I love each of their different movies for completely different reasons. But I think that there are kind of their trademarks, you know, visually, yes, of course, but also thematically too. But I think that Guadagnino is one that really likes to keep people on their toes. You know, like I think that each of his films that he's presented so far, they do have some overlap thematically, but they really feel distinct. And it really is kind of, he's just uh, shown so much variety in his kind of uh, uh, abilities as a filmmaker.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, it, it is a talent within storytelling within itself of being able to kind of interpret these stories and then being able to take, you know, the parts that you want out of it and then kind of turn it into its own thing. Like because there's kind of a varying degrees on like kind of, um, you know, the how accurate he's like kind of staying to the adaptations, um, like Call Me By Your Name kind of sticks pretty closely to the book. It just kind of omits uh, uh, certain things uh, from like kind of more the, the ending and like the uh, epilogue end of it uh, versus mm-hmm. you know kind of again for here he's really just like kind of taking the idea presented within Suspiria and kind of uh, telling its its own thing I remember whenever this initially came out I kind of was like you know would did this even need to be kind of called Suspiria like could it have been named its own thing and stood on its own but again like you know but now I kind of see it as again it's just kind of a different approach that he took to to adapting the source material in a in a way that you know is kind of truly breaking it down to its you know finest bits and then taking that and then making its own thing out of it um there's there's like kind of like a um there's, like, a joke, like, kind of series on, on TikTok uh, uh, on the food side where people will, like, kind of uh, take something and they, like, break it down, but then eventually just remake it into the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they'll,
0: they'll, like, deconstruct a Dorito or something like that. And then, yeah. You know, yeah, make it a gourmet version of that, yeah. And then they just refry it
1: into a chip again. And it's Yes, like its yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of, yeah, kind of that effect um, is uh, the way that he took it here. Um, and, you know, with the cinematography um, definitely um, highlights that and kind of uh, the, the complete stylistic um, turns that the, the two take. Uh, the mm-hmm. original done by Luciano Tavoli uh, with its, uh, you know, vibrant colors that it's known for versus in the remake, you know, Sayambu
0: Mudukpram oh, I'm telling you, if if you want an episode of just us struggling to pronounce these names, this is the one for you because it doesn't help the the original Italian one and the U.S. one. It's just it is you know pray for us, please. <laughs> that, that that was the that was
1: the one I was most nervous on, and I think that one's not bad. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, it came to the remake of you know kind of going in a completely different way with the the muted look and um, you know less uh, less uh, kind of uh, lavish approach to it. Um, and the editing as well kind of um, uh, goes into that as well with the original done by Franco uh, Fredicelli with the remake done by Walter Fasano. Um, and neither one of these um, big uh, did big box office numbers, at least here in the U.S. Um, at, with the original only taking in 1.8 million and that's only in U.S. rentals. I guess it never got a theatrical release here, but it did in Italy um, and did fairly well. Um the remake uh only took in seven point nine million dollars on a twenty million dollar budget, but it was an Amazon original and it was kind of that like tandem release that they were yeah. that they were tinkering around with a few years ago. So so that's just, I guess the, the, the theater was just kind of bonus money really. Mm-hmm. Um it was already intended to just be released as an Amazon original. The Rotten Tomato scores, the original coming in at ninety four percent on sixty-three reviews. Um, which is uh, surprisingly surprisingly high for, for the um, kind of divisive takes that I kind of see about this movie on Twitter. So I was actually a little surprised by it and its letterbox rating. Um, the remake came in with a 65% on uh, 335 reviews. I find that very fascinating. I mean I know yeah, it, I know it obviously has a lot more reviews than the original does. But I, I just find it fascinating that 35 percent of critics just didn't enjoy this and and at least not being able to respect it on like the filmmaking um, uh, aspects of it alone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there still kind of is this stigma against remakes. You know, we've talked a lot about that of. Uh, as an audience going into uh, a movie like this and sort of having your guard up. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that. There's also some movies that are like not even made yet that are coming out that I know I'm like very protective over and they're either getting a remake or a sequel or whatever. And I just kind of have this closed off about it. And I think that there are a lot of critics who go into these sort of movies and have deified you know, such a horror classic like Suspiria, uh, and then that being reimagined, reinterpreted, or what, what have you, and then sort of going up in, or going into the movie with arms crossed. I'm not going to say that that is the main reason um, that the 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 remake uh, uh, has this score or this divisiveness about it. I think it's certainly a, a contributor to that. Um, but as we're going to discuss, I I think that there is still lots of room for some fil- uh, some critics to just kind of be like. No, I went into this. It's just not exactly uh, very good. I think that this is also just one of those movies that I think, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Love It or Hate It, it's just one of those uh, sites that I think a movie like this kind of shows the, you know, the the, the flaws, I guess, if you want to say, or kind of pokes uh uh some of the uh, uh ironcladness of the you know the patented rotten tomatoes score and with a movie like this it being as diverse uh, divisive 65% i think is generous if anything i would expect this to be 50 cuz i think this is a, the exact kind of horror movie that you would ask one person and they'd be like oh i loved it and then you ask the next person and they're like i fucking hated it so i'm honestly a little surprised that it has a score that is that high to be honest
1: Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I know it did very much kind of have a very divisive response and part of it in response to you know the reimagining of it in this particular style which you know we'll definitely get into the aesthetic differences um but it that's also surprising to me because it's like well isn't that what you would want you know whenever you know you are remaking reimagining a property like don't you want to like you like i feel like the majority of people want it to be something different at least at least that's the way i want it to be i you know i prefer the ones that go in the radically different direction versus the ones that are you know um you know staying true to the the spirit or uh essence of it which this still does in its own way so but i don't know i just can't imagine hating this movie that's uh, but i mean but we're, we're weirdos so i mean who's to say yeah. who is uh, to say um but the uh voice of the people over on letterboxd uh have the original with an average rating of 4.0 out of 5 and the remake, a 3.8 out of five. So not too far off between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember um, how you felt about uh, the first time you saw this and then um, how anything might've changed on this rewatch?
0: Yeah, so I actually had the opportunity to see both of these movies for the first time in theaters, um, including the the original, uh, because the the remake was coming out. It was on the horizon. and I knew I really wanted to see it because I was a big fan of Call Me By Your Name. Uh, and I, Suspiria was just one of those horror blind spot movies for me to where it was like this iconic piece of horror cinema. Uh, and I just hadn't gotten around to it. And so having an opportunity to see that in the theaters for the first time uh, was, was really memorable and striking and something that I'm like, uh, that doesn't happen super often with me, especially with horror. Um, <clears throat> horror is not something that at least where I originally saw this movie, where I'm where I'm from, is not really something that gets re-released into the theaters super, super often. So I felt very grateful to have seen it uh, in that format. And then with the remake, going into that movie and then having kind of the the Uh, The knowledge uh, and the awareness of it, I honestly kind of did go in with a little, um, it's, you were talking about, it's kind of the damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, like, do you go off in your own direction and do your own thing? Or do you try to take what people love about the uh, original and maybe repackage it in a familiar, Mm -hmm. yet fresh, yet new way? It's like, it it is kind of this tightrope walk um, with filmmakers. And I think with the original, Um, I really appreciated it on a visual level. I think that was honestly maybe not the first, but one of the first Giallo movies that I had ever seen. Um, And so that was quite different for me as well. Um, uh, As uh, I think I had seen that if it would have been before this, I would have been like 19 years old. So uh, definitely a a horror fan. But my uh, horizons had been expanding as a horror fan. Um, seeking out more international films, so I was getting caught up on like, oh, the words don't match their mouth. That's silly, and it's just like that. That doesn't affect me. Like literally, don't even think about it. Uh, watching it this time, um. So yeah, I I had went into the remake kind of with uh, weird expectations. I I, I guess is to what to say. Um, and picking out things like oh, the, the, the witch coven is just established in the opening minutes of the movie. It's not this mystery like the original thing is, so that's like a ding against this movie. To where, no, that's a choice, that it was like a creative choice because this movie is wanting to do something different. Um, so all of that to say, Devon, I went into this, like I had said initially, um, kind of knowing what to expect and really trying to appreciate it on its own merits. And I think I liked the remake slightly more, Um, But I also uh, really appreciated the original much more. Um, So I liked them both a little bit more, but not to the degree that some people like the 18 one. Uh, Some people think the, you know, the Guadagnino one is incredible, one of the best horror movies of the, you know, uh, the century. And I think it's pretty good. So (laughs) I think I'm excited to talk about it uh, here today. But what about you? How did this uh, remake kind of shape up for you?
1: Yeah, so I, I had a kind of similar experience because I was lucky enough to see it, the original for the first time in theaters as well. Thank goodness I did. Um, I think um, I think it was like a interesting timing because I think it was like just like a little bit before the remake was like announced because I feel like I saw it and then it was like when it was announced, I was like, oh, yeah, finally, glad I finally saw it. Um, yeah. And yeah. So it might have been, in that 2016 uh, area maybe it might have been a uh, re-release maybe around the time Neon Demon came out possibly because mm, i think I, I think i saw it through like an Alamo Draft House like uh, That's a good double screen, feature like uh, special a special screening yeah.
0: of it. Yeah, that's a good double feature.
1: Oh yeah, i mean i said it in our Neon Demon episode like i feel mm-hmm. like that movie is a reimagining of Suspiria within its own in, in its own right uh, like yeah. very kind of like modern contemporary way. Um, but so, so I was luckily uh, able to see it on the big screen and like, uh, I remember like, I literally like cried during the opening, like cab ride seek. I was just like, this is so pretty. Like this is fucking <laughs> like the music, the visuals. Like, I mean, I, I did have a bunch of edibles in me. It was partially that as well. Um, but I was just like, damn, I was like, movies are fucking gorgeous and I love this, um, it, which is a shame because like whatever version I watched like on Tubi for this rewatch looked like shit. I was uh-huh. like, oh, man. So so I'm really glad that uh, for my first experience of it, I did get to kind of see it uh, in this restored uh, glory of it. And it was it, it's so, uh, you know, it's you know, known as kind of being one of the most visually striking, aesthetically pleasing horror films yeah um uh, you know and um uh, some people find it very scary i've never really found it very scary but it kind of has this like uh like i don't know like it it almost has like a, a like kind of juvenile like kind of feel to it in like kind of like the oh yeah scary spooky witch story um mm-hmm. in, in that kind of way you know and then kind of uh, aided in with this um uh, visual aesthetic versus it kind of actually being super scary yeah. Um and I mean and people wanna talk about, you know, uh, anytime they mention style over substance or things of that nature. Uh this is like kind of uh one of the the hallmark movies of kind of being like, Hey, vibes, uh spooky, huh? Uh, yeah. you know, and um and, and I love the movie for it, obviously, because I am somebody that loves um these like kind of uh vibey movies. Um but yeah, and then I saw it and but then like I feel like immediately, like after like the the uh, the glow of the theatrical experience of it, I was just like, oh, what what kind of actually happened in that movie? And I was like, hmm, and and I kind of like kind of forgot about it like kind of quickly in a way. So it was like kind of like a very much like a initial. Uh, kind of a uh, shock from it that I really enjoyed and then like but didn't like kind of give me anything to didn't have think the on. stain power yeah yeah so 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 I was optimistic going into the remake of kind of getting something a little meatier because I was like well I already know that Luca can bring the vibes like we've seen that so I was like yeah so now let's see like what he's gonna kind of tap into within like kind of the the, the potential lore within the story and um you know and then we see that two and a half hour runtime is like okay we're getting a lot of meat here maybe right. a little too much meat here um mm-hmm. you know so uh, it was an interesting experience in that way and i was kind of very excited for the distinct uh you know visual differences and uh again like it kind of hit me in a way that i was like is this even a remake at all like could this have been just like named you know even suspiriorum like just like kind of slightly differentiate it from it because it like takes like, you know, really the names and it does kind of take some of the story elements from the first, but the, the, the presentation of the witch coven is completely different, which I very much enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the kind of emphasis on the, the witchcraft aspect of it in this film. And um, yeah, uh, initially I was kind of like, yeah, I was like, this is good. It, it didn't kind of hit me, but uh, it's been one that's grown on me with uh, each rewatch, um, especially whenever I rewatch them now, kind of skipping the parts I don't really care for or need, um, because I feel like the this movie, there's a there's a, a, a really great you know masterful movie in here. Um, mm-hmm. That just has a, just has a lot too much going on on the edges. And like, you know, really just if you refined it down is like, you know, there's a there's a near 10 out of 10 movie in here. Um, It just uh has too much extra shit on it, you know. So so I'm intrigued yeah. to kind of get into the, you know, what Luca added in as far as, um, you know, uh, adapting the original movie not the source material so are you ready to give a 60 second
0: synopsis for the original Suspiria boy am I ever and this is one that I think when we had like done the the prior remakes mostly the same you know mostly the same movies but I think that this one actually is uh just even plot wise structurally is quite different so uh, you just want me to do the 77 one well well, because here's the thing, it's like, like I can't I can't do them both at the same time. And
1: well, because the '77 one doesn't even really need a full minute, versus yeah. the '2018 one needs so much more than a minute. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's the so that's the conundrum we're in here. So yeah. I so like if you
0: want me to, I can try to wrangle both. I feel confident in my abilities. I think I can do both pretty well. Um, so uh, we can we can try that and then we can hey, go from there. It's the it's the final it's the final episode for
1: remake mania. So let's do it. Let's get crazy.
0: Let's get crazy. <laughs> let's have some mania. <laughs> All right. I got you on the clock here in three, two, one, go. All right. So in both the remake and the original film, you have this uh, newcomer to this prestigious German ballet. Uh, They come to this school kind of bright eyed and bushy tailed, uh, ready to experience and learn everything and and dance among the best dancers and instructors in the world. Uh, With the original, they start to uncover this mysterious plot and dive deeper and deeper into this uh, witchy uh, sort of nightmare that unfolds before them. Whereas the original or with the remake, you have this student who kind of just gets entrapped into this world, but embraces it in a way uh the uh the remake focuses much more on the relationship between the the student and the uh, the the apprentice and the instructor uh already establishing this mystery from the get-go there's not this unfurling of the plot just sort of bringing them into this sort of coven seeing them be indoctrinated nice with a couple seconds to spare okay i feel like that was okay i feel like that was that was pretty good they're very different very different Yes, uh, very, very different in, again, the, the
1: original. I mean, I feel like that's kind of been the trend with uh, the ones that we've been uh, talking about with, I would say, with the exception of Carrie, uh, mm-hmm. that all of them are kind of, the, the originals are kind of the more simplified bare bones, like kind of stories with which makes remakes, sense. Yeah. Uh, building upon them, which yeah, kind of makes sense. Uh, that's, it, a, a, a you know, a safe territory to go into when you're doing a remake is to kind of go a little deeper in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it very much the, the original one, it yeah, is presented, um, um, as more of a mystery. You're, you're not supposed to know that the, that the instructors are in on it, you know, yeah. the, uh, instructors are trying to play that, you know, as if all the killings and the spooky happenings are, no, it's all okay. And like, we're going to, we're going to protect you and we're going to get through it. We just got to stay together. And you we got to lock you down in here and you can't leave, uh, you know, and you right. stay here forever. Uh, we got you. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're supposed to, you know, think, and then it's like, oh yeah, uh, all the instructors, they're actually witches and they're summoning this and they're using you. um, And it's been them the whole time. Um, so, so it, it it unfolds in that way and you kind of have, um, which kind of leaves less to explore within like the actual school itself because you're kind of just so caught up in, um, the 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 mist with them with them ignoring the kind of craziness happening and them trying to make it seem like it's not the instructors we're kind of taking away from like we don't really get much dance in the in the original one and like kind of emphasis on the yeah. you know the happenings and how the school works because everything is different it's like kind of this susie comes in during like a state of emergency you know yeah. so it's like the school isn't really functioning at its regular capacity versus in the remake we are now focusing in on you know we're in on that the instructors are already this coven and we're um we're slowly learning um how you know how everything works at the school but then watching Susie kind of getting um groomed into uh into this situation but then Kind of seeing how the power dynamics shift amongst um the like you said the you know apprentice instructor dynamic uh that dynamic shifts the 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 mother uh relationships and then even you know the way that um uh, there's just all sorts of power play dynamics going on throughout the the remake film that uh, isn't present in the original.
0: Yeah. And I think it is kind of a, a symptom of what you had talked about, where it's like you're you're building off of something. So you have that foundation there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I think it's understandable that Guadagnino was just kind of like, you know, not that Suspiria is this like... Um, landmark horror movie I guess uh, as far as like the audience is concerned this is something that probably not a ton of people uh, like as you had said this didn't even have a U.S. release so this is something that yeah diehard horror nerds like you and I were excited for but I would say your general kind of moviegoer probably wasn't super aware of that but even still I kind of applaud Guadagnino understanding that you have the legacy of the original film so the the mystique isn't really there so why don't we just go in instead of making this a mystery uh, I think that that's one of the first deviations that we can talk about is the remake is not a mystery the original in in being a giallo film I would say that it is uh, not maybe true giallo I wouldn't say that this is the one that I would point to as you know, being the, the the poster child, but I do think it fits into the camp uh, when we we can talk about that when we talk about subgenres. But I think that in Giallo fashion, the uh, original film does have a mystery element to it of what's going on at the school, uh, and then watching our character kind of uh, begin to understand what's happening. Where in the original film, you have that opening sequence in the doctor's office, and it's immediately just laid out that it's a coven and so the the story that Guadagnino is wanting to explore like you had mentioned is about mother, motherhood and the relationship between um uh, art and love and sex and uh the this witchcraft that's happening there and this uh, familial angle uh as well as well as uh femininity and power and uh you know the the reclaiming of one's agency and also how that fits into a historical context where the original one is just like they're at a dance school and there's fucking witches and people are getting fucking killed you know and i i think that that's maybe a reason why uh the the remake hasn't Garnered uh, as much traction or as 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 much admiration among horror fans is it's a really sizable meal. There's a lot of themes at play. There's a lot of things to really dive into. Where I think, yeah, the original one is pretty bare bones as far as plot is concerned, but it's mostly uh, a, like a a presentation of horror as art and the music and the stylistic choices that you're able to bring to it and how the violence in, of what you're seeing on screen is somehow beautiful and, and capturing that uh, both of those uh, angles at the same time. Um, I, I, I think it's understandable that some people went into this, this new one and were like, what the fuck like it's (laughs) it's not really like the original at all it's way more substantive it's also like a pretty beige fucking movie uh and you know what is this this isn't suspiria um but i think this is yeah like i've mentioned before this is a real testament of well if you're going to remake one of the most iconic uh beloved horror movies um you know of all time you better bring something new to the table, which although it might not totally work for me, I do really appreciate what Guadagnino was able to do when when approaching this movie.
1: Yeah, the, the original is like very much like a, a like you said, a, a testament to, you know, what you can do as a visual and auditory medium in horror yeah. is kind of what the original is going for, because I mean. Uh, yeah it's not interested in kind of developing like kind of the story of it that keeps the mystery pretty simple um, but is you know using its you know aesthetic um, and you know shot composition and camera work and of course the, the score um, to to really like kind of you know impose its like kind of terror on you uh, versus in the remake. Um, it's kind of uh, it's a very more subtle uh, film and kind of uh, you know uh, letting, letting it creep in on you as you, uh, kind of seep into the world of, of this, uh, of this dance academy, and you, you already know that the vibes are off from the beginning, but you just don't know in what way, and, um, and, you know, and being able to kind of focus in on Susie's kind of coming of age, uh, storyline in the, in this remake is, uh, very much kind of touched upon on, you know, the way that the dance, uh, and the way the academy kind of changes and shapes her, and, uh, you know, makes her kind of come into her own um, versus in the original Susie is just kind of she we don't really have time to kind of um, you know learn anything about her kind of you know grow with her because she's more just kind of reacting to this you know horrific situation that's going on versus yeah. you know uh, it is more drawn out in the 2018 version and uh, and we can kind of stay on the subgenre realm here because yeah uh, you know not even Uh, kind of mentioned in some of the story differences is we also have this alternative history angle uh, happening in the 2018 kind of tying into um, the late 70s Germany the the setting and kind of uh, the the political landscape and the way that that um, uh, uh, kind of influences the story like on how kind of you know uh, an institution of art kind of uh, you know, reflects and interprets the, the things around them and right. kind of how that influences, um, uh, you know, the, the way that they kind of go about in their operation as this coven, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it, and for a lot of people, it's like, um, you know, it, was there kind of an, uh, an easier way to kind of get this kind of stuff in there? I think so. I think we do kind of spend a little, um, uh, little too much time with an old doctor, what, yeah. Dr. Klemperer, or yeah. I think was his name. Um, and and uh, kind of, I feel like they definitely could have still brought in the themes of the setting and the times. Um, I feel like they could have brought them. It, it, it just feels just too kind of detached from from the rest of the film because the rest of it, I'm just like so compelled and entranced by, by like, you know, the, the, the politics and hierarchy of this coven and Susie's coming of age and her connection to this and, uh, her connection with Madame Blanc. Like I'm so into all that, that the, the history stuff just like kind of really like, uh, brings you, brings you to a halt, uh, in, in, a lot of points for me. So I don't know if the, um, you know, the historical influences kind of, um, work for me as, as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be uh, a kind of a breaking point for a lot of people uh, in regards to the remake as it adds a lot of with that pretty uh, lengthy runtime, especially considered. That the original is like just around 90 minutes and you know the the remake is like about an hour longer um i think that that will be a make or break thing is that not an insignificant um portion of that runtime is about the historical context of everything and the relationship between uh dr klimper uh as, as uh well as um uh his relationship with uh sarah uh, mia goth's character Um, And and when we get into some more, we can talk about uh, all of that because I I have things to say uh, about all of it and how it actually like I think it's important to circle back, you know, to to the plot at at hand. And and if you're going to make that comparison, I think it better be uh, pretty compelling Uh, whether or not the movie succeeds in that, I think is definitely up for discussion.
1: Yeah, I know that was kind of a uh, dividing line for a lot of critics and audience when this initially came out. And, uh, and you know and again because I mean it's not that the the pacing of the movie is bad because it's not like I mean it like it doesn't like even though there is a lot going on it still doesn't feel like a like a, a laborious two and a half hours it just mm-hmm. feels like a uh, this is a like two and a half hours I'm like yeah this is, it, it's I, not that I don't find it fascinating it's just do we need to be here at this yeah. moment so it's like kind of more in that vein because I never because I again I, I don't feel like this movie is like a slog in any means but it's just like uh we we just really don't need to be here for two and a half hours of this because because I'll say that is uh one thing for each uh, rewatch I've had of the original uh Suspiria is, uh, the, the pacing of that isn't that great. I, like, even though that's only a little bit like a 95 minute movie, it kind of feels a little longer than that uh, sure. for me. So, it's like, you know, even the disparity in the run times, like, kind of don't always correlate with the pacing of
0: a film, but um, I, it's an interesting study between the two of these. Definitely. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, dive on into um, all of that. And you had mentioned earlier. Uh, about this maybe just being its own thing and maybe not even having the Suspiria title and I did want to ask because like the Suspiria verse uh, already kind of exists like we have the Three Mothers trilogy which is uh, Suspirio and Inferno and then Mother of Tears which came out like many years later in the early 2000s would you have preferred Guadagnino like just do something in that sort of uh uh, you know have like like Inferno is to Suspiria this would be in that same kind of you know tangentially connected but maybe not the, the same thing or are you glad that it still kind of stays um, tethered to that original plot
1: um, I say now I think I'm I'm uh, more at ease with it being tethered to it because like I guess this is the first time that I've actually watched them like back to back uh, you know, to really get the, like the, the direct correlation, or at least I watched one last night and then one this mm-hmm. morning. Um, so watching them back to back now, I'm like, okay, like I do see like how much it, like they do bring a good amount of the DNA in it. It's just like, it's just like telling it from a different perspective because it's mm-hmm. like, it, it's like, or I don't know, because it, it almost feels like that this, like, Oh man. Cause it almost could be <laughs> like a, it could almost be like a, because the, the, the original Suspiria were like dropped right into it, you know, and it yeah. feels like we're like coming in at the end of another movie in a, in a weird way. And it's like, I almost feel like the 2018 Suspiria now almost feels like that movie that happened before the original Suspiria in a sure. kind of weird way. Um, because like we see at the end of this, like the, like, you know, clean up after that ritual and then they are, you know, back to school business as usual. But it's like almost kind of feels like it could have been that lead in. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe it could still be its own thing, whether that's in a prequel sense or like just in a, you know, in the universe type deal. But it does still share enough of the DNA To still be like no this is still just an expanded upon version of that 20 um, of that 1977 version it's just like they just add in so much more that it I guess feels like it its own new thing because so much more is added on to it so I don't know it's interesting I feel like it could literally kind of fit in any kind of, of that pocket um, but I feel like I, it just makes the
0: most sense to, of course, just call it Suspiria. Yeah, uh, I think that, that you're definitely right. It has the, the IP, somebody like Amazon who's wanting to produce this movie. I'm already amazed this movie exists. So <laughs> if you're going to make something like that, you kind of need to have that, the recognizability of a title like Suspiria. Um, but I think it would have been really interesting, certainly, to see our, uh, uh, Guadagnino Go in an entirely different direction plot wise, uh, but just have that connectivity, or showing a different school, maybe in a different um, uh, location mm-hmm. or something like that. So um, I, I would have been okay with both. It's not; it's certainly not a deal breaker for me that this is more of um, just the uh, original story wise, uh, with just kind of like really shuffling shuffling it around um, structurally, and then adding uh, adding obviously um, a lot in there.
1: Yeah. So. So uh, I guess let's uh, we can kind of get into some of the differences here with uh, as we kind of go through the the characters, um, which will be you know easier to kind of go through in the twenty or in the nineteen seventy seven version because like we do have a lot of the same characters and same character names, but like a lot of the characters like we'll hear their name, but we don't really get to like know much about the characters like really in um the uh, nineteen seventy seven version we're really just kind of dealing with. We have Susie, uh, we have Sarah, but Sarah kind of gets a lot more to do in the in the remake, um, and then we have uh, Miss Tanner and Miss Blanc, and that's really all we're dealing with in the '77 version. And then we kind of still have a lot of these uh, similar characters, but not exactly expanded upon um, versus in the uh, 2018 one again. But it's still all the a lot of the same names for the the, the primary roles, especially with Susie here.
0: Yeah, I think that there are kind of different. Uh, I would say three of like the big headings that I would say are, are what makes both of these movies different. Uh, primarily, it is the plot, like we've mentioned, um, a lot. Uh, the uh, in the original film, it's a uh, uh, this American ballet student, yes, who is discovering this academy but then continues to um, uncover what lies beneath where the original, as we've mentioned before, it's already established. I would say, yeah, you have the plot there. Um, but I would say the other big differences are the filmmaking techniques as well as the themes. Um, and we'll definitely uh, be talking. I would say the most substantive, uh, I think, conversation could be had uh, for the themes. I think the filmmaking ones are pretty self-evident. You know, the the original film is super vibrant, has really dramatic uh, camera moves and, uh, you know, crash zooms uh, and and lighting and all of those things. I would say that's rightfully considered one of the most visually stunning horror movies of all time. Um, the, the remake certainly has that, but it's much more of uh, in a modern context of kind of what we would consider um, this like more minimalist kind of uh, beige style also being uh, the fact that the, the movie is a, is a period piece whereas the, uh, the original film kind of takes place in the era in which the movie was made um, so uh, it's much more sub, uh, subdued with uh, muted colors more naturalistic lighting and really has much more of these long takes and this more of a, a, a slower uh, pacing I do think that Guadagnino does throw in some um, camera moves some dramatic crash zooms uh, things like that to kind of tip his hat to the original film um, but I think it's it's really night and day they're visually just completely different movies yeah
1: like I mean it's almost like in even like the direct like you know opposite of it being like you know it's such vibrant colors versus like kind of the more muted like kind of wintery feel of the remake Um, and it yeah the the and again because in the in the original like those aspects are so much like more present because like again they are kind of more leaned upon for the Mm -hmm. storytelling and for the horror elements of it all like you know with like kind of these like you know kind of crazy camera movements that like disorient you or the way that the uh the goblin score comes in and like that's real like the goblin score in the in the remake has more Kill character it. or 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 not in the remake, in the original, uh has more character development than any character in that movie. <laughs> um because it like it very much kinda introduces like kind of what scare you're gonna get for the scene and like yeah. um and like it, it really is like uh like uh presenting the because since we can't be in the school, we don't feel like what that that oppressive aura is that they're feeling and so we get that with the score and that's like so yeah so so the original is so dependent upon its you know aesthetic uh, and filmmaking in that way versus um, Luca is kind of reeling that stuff in so that way he can kind of dig into the more uh, the witchy kind of elements and the themes of that nature but he still does it in a way though that, again, I guess this could support my um, idea of it being its own kind of thing and, like, maybe a kind of connected world because um it, it almost kind of feels like um, how in the 2013 remake for Evil Dead, they kind of talk about, like, um, it being, like, these coincidences because it kind of echoes the same events that kind of happened in a certain way. And I feel like Luca kind of does that with his, like, uh, a little bits of stylish um, flourishes because even though this is a still stylish movie in its own way, just not in the same way as the original, he like, there's still like moments that like kind of echo the, 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 the the filmmaking of the original, like the way he uses like the slow shutter uh, frame rate stuff, like the kind of like old school slow motion instead of doing the, the slow motion that like we would typically use today. so it's like, there's there's like moments that like kind of echo that or the way that like the dream sequences have like the super uh fast paced editing and cutting and like that's the only time you really get that in the film yeah. um and that so it's like kind of uh harkens and like it's like it's like the, the it's like the vibes of the old movie like seep in and like kind of uh come in through like the little cracks of the remake at times
0: yeah i we've talked about before uh, i'm just i'm with me and the way that I intake movies, uh, the music is something that I usually pick up on around the second or third watch. So this was something that I was excited to talk to you about because that's something that you usually dive into uh, first, being like a musical person like yourself. Uh, and I wanted, to, I did want to talk about the the differences between these scores. Uh, uh, the original uh, being from Italian progressive rock band uh, <laughs> the Goblin, and then the uh, the remake being uh, from Tom York, who's the lead singer of Radio head uh, and kind of the differences between the two scores because they are very very different. Uh, I I really liked in the remake how um it's a a mixture of of some more orchestral uh um, kind of electronically uh uh presented score with uh, like these, that's like kind of it's a little bit more subtle you know with uh, these like kind of uh, haunting vocals in the background uh which i think is like a really nice uh pairing uh with the with the much more muted minimalist uh, approach that we are given uh in the 2018 film whereas the remake is much more uh, uh much more uh kind of intense and energetic uh and kind of immediately establishes, establishes what's at play with the original film it's that there's this tension and there's this unease but also this kind of like dreamy nightmarish sort of uh, quality to it uh i think that both of the films although they're really really different i think that they they compare uh, they i'm um, sorry they um uh, they pair well nicely with the with each of the the films. I think if you were to swap each of these scores, I think that there would be a real weird <laughs> disconnect there. So I think each of these scores complement uh, the movie that they are uh, presented in, like really, really well. Even though they're both incredibly different.
1: Yeah, they are. They are both fantastic. And
0: like, I mean, I love like kind of keeping
1: the the theme of it being like, hey, let's not get a you know standard composer. We get you know somebody that comes from a you know a different. Uh, area of the musical realm to do it so it's like i like that kind of parallel but yeah. it's not only the the obvious like stylistic differences in them because yes they each score only works for its you know respective film like if you swapped them it just it wouldn't work it would feel so yeah. weird um because not only um you know fitting the aesthetic visually as well um it's the way that they're used because again like i said like you know in the original the, the score comes in during, I mean, like the score is kind of ever present and it kind of, you know, it does have its like kind of dreamy kind of stuff, but it's immediately, you know, like uh, has like a fucking demonic voice layered over it and then it gets darker as it kind of comes in and then mm-hmm. it becomes the the oppressive kind of terror in the film versus um, I, I remember the first time I saw uh, the remake of Suspiria, I was like, yeah, I like the score. I just wish it was there more. But then I kind of realize that even that usage is very purposeful because in it's so, you know, it's scary and oppressive and you kind of don't, even though like the score is great, at some points it's like, ah, I kind of want the score to stop. It's, you know, like it's fucking uh, loud and like, you know, prolonged and stuff. And then versus in the remake, it's more the comforting thing. Like it kind of comes in in these kind of more contemplative parts of the film versus the horror elements. Um, because it, it's more comforting. Like so, and I find yeah. myself, I find myself wanting the score more in the remake because like the, the movie itself is like, you're only hearing like, you know, conversation and people breathing and people walking. And like, that's like the only sounds you're like hearing. Cause like, um, you know, aside from the, the musical performances themselves, mm-hmm. And like some of the quieter moments, the, there's no score present in the in the remake. So it's like the usage yeah. uh, is very uh, different and worked uh, so well for each film.
0: You're right. The omission of the score uh, in some of the more horrifying scenes, it does kind of make the viewer feel a little isolated. And it really, uh, I think is like quite effective uh, that Guadagnino just focuses on the sound effects of like the, the Foley sound effects you know of feet um, bare feet hitting the ground or mm-hmm. jumping and landing and I think it makes like that contortionist dance sequence I would say probably the most um, beloved sequence in the remake it makes the scene like that just the more terrifying that you hear these bones crunching and slobber and blood and you know streaks on on mirrors and everything and then also just the barefoot like dragging across of wood Uh, and you know the sound of this kind of like I don't know. I don't know what the the what the acapella version of dance would be called. I don't know if there's a term for it, <laughs> but she's dancing acoustic, you know. <laughs> she, um, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's she's just dancing with with no music, and I think that that sound of her um kind of throwing herself around this dance floor uh is is pretty uh, effective on its own and its own isolation in a way. So yeah, I, I think you're definitely right that the the score is not really underlining the uh, the horror of what we're seeing. Um, but the lack of it is, you know, that the lack of score of the score in music is kind of making the audience feel a little isolated. And so, yeah, I think the music, you're right. It, it is kind of this comforting sort of uh, back to reality, just sort of like a hug after you just saw the most traumatic fucking shit. <laughs> well, and it, and, it, and it works so well, like what's
1: super cool about that in the remake too is like, yeah i i call that scene the pretzel dance um yeah. i've i've consistently said that's honestly like one of my favorite horror scenes like of the past like 20 years like so i good. remember i remember seeing that in theaters and Having the just like biggest grin on my face on like how mm-hmm. twisted this was. I remember a couple people walked out. I was like, "Yeah, get out of here, get out um, of here, uh, you bleebs. <laughs> and I remember, and I remember the last time that I rewatched this before um, rewatching for this. Um, I was showing a friend. She was like, "Oh yeah, I love the original, but I haven't seen the remake." I was like, "Oh yeah, let's watch it." And she was in such like pain and shock watching this yeah. scene. And then the the moment whenever uh, they, like, come back to get her and you, like, see that Olga is still alive, my friend starts crying. She goes no she
0: is not still alive after that and it was yeah. like and then they pick her up with those fucking hooks like meat. she's like a fish yeah it's so it's like yeah i have in my notes i said the i agree the contortionist sequence i said is legitimately it's one of the most upsetting body horror sequences like in the past 20 years like bar none and then it's just followed up by the hook scene which is also super weird and upsetting and the fact that it's like such a presentation and they all pick her up and just drag her away and the secret door it's like oh my god just those two scenes back to back are just really upsetting And the fact that yeah she's still fucking alive she's like gargling on her own like, spit and blood and vomit it's just oh my god and pee she's like like pees her pants it's so upsetting oh i know
1: <laughs> she pees her pants and i mean i've told you about my my dislocating jaw before and like so like whenever you like literally see her like jaw break as her like face is like smashed against the glass and like yeah i but it, it's not only that like obviously the body horror of that scene is really great but i feel like it this uh, it comes pretty early on this is at like the 40 minute mark um and pretty early it, on the 40 minute mark <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um but it, it's such a great illustration of uh the way that they um pay more attention to again like we are uh this movie is taking place at a dance academy and dance is very important for for these witches these are the ways that they like kind of conduct their spells um, because we kind of see as Susie does this dance, like, you know, Madame Blanc, like, uh, you know, puts the little shine on her hands and feet. And then this is like kind of what's like controlling Olga for this, like mirroring motion. And and even with like, you know, the way that they show, like you said, with the sound design of like during this scene, Susie's not dancing uh, or she is dancing to music um, at first. But the, the sounds of her feet and everything are so much louder. Um, yeah. Because I feel like it's such an, in, an interesting, um, you know, way to kind of show their the, the power dynamics that they're interested in uh, diving into that, like, you know, that the that even though they're the dancers and like dancers kind of are known to need music in order to like kind of do their thing. I yeah. like that. It's like, no, like the like they are so powerful as dancers, like the music comes from them, like the sounds that they are making kind of aid into um that like you know that like the power comes from them and like it kind of shows in the the final dance sequence later too like the the score is like very minimal for that and it's mainly their sounds and then the score kind of comes in so it's like kind of their like kind of control over over music in a way even though music uh in theory would be the one controlling the dancers
0: Yeah, I think that if we're going to be talking about like um, uh, comparing and contrasting in more of just like a preference sort of way, I do prefer that in the original film, it's not like strictly a cold open, but it's like a cold open adjacent that we have that famous sequence like in the lobby uh, with the hanging and the stabbing, like the sequence from Suspiria. I think that that is really crucial in establishing stakes for these characters and that they are walking into the situation that is beyond what they are expecting but also just horrifying and dangerous and Uh, uh, also speaks to this coven and and how protective they are of their coven Uh, but if you cross them or you try to leave like what is facing you so I think that that's really crucial and in the remake like you had mentioned quote-unquote early on in the movie is about 40 (laughs) minutes into it and that's really the first kind of telling that we get of what is at stake when you go against this coven, and I think that probably should be a bit earlier, or if not that, add a different sequence of you crossed us. This is what you get. Really establishing the sense of of danger for the characters. I do think that there are some sequences that, like, do establish the sense of tension and horror and dread, but in not it's it's in a less obvious way. Um, I think of the scene of Dakota Johnson when she's dancing for the first time. Uh, the, you're right. It's this really amplification, uh, this really amplified version of the sounds of the, the feet hitting the ground, her breath, everything feels super dramatic and guttural and animalistic, but she's just dancing, you know? And like, I think that that is painting this portrait of, you know, dancers and art and kind of the pain that goes into that. I also think of movies like, um, uh, uh, Black Swan, you know, and just kind of how much of yourself you put into the art that you create and how something like dance and ballet is fucking painful. And like ballet dancers and their feet are just like these mangled messes because of like this beautiful art that they create and kind of the the horror, but also the the contrast between the two of those things. So I do like that the, the remake focuses on the dance and the art perspective a bit more, but I would prefer one or so sequence uh, early kind of establishing this danger that is facing our protagonist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're, I mean, they're, again, they're kind of going at it from two different angles because in the original, like, I totally agree, like, it it definitely, like, sets, uh, you know, the stage for, like, this is, this movie is dangerous. This place is dangerous. And, like, we're getting that, you know, before Susie even gets to the school. Uh, so we're already worried for her before, like, she even gets there and it does kind of set that up and and the original also does a thing too where it very much early on like sets up uh, the the control and the oppressive nature that the the school and the professors have over the students where Um, you know they tell Susie they're like well hey staying here isn't free so actually you have to go stay in town and then like literally the next day they go hey actually no a room opened up and you have to come stay here and she's like but wait you told me to live in town she like tries to exert like her you know independence there and they even like note it like "Ooh, you have a strong spirit but like Mm -hmm. um, you know so it's like they they very much early are trying to set that up versus in the remake Um, you know they kind of do this like back and forth thing of like yeah the the, the, there's a mystery there and it feels uneasy but then mm-hmm. when especially i feel this especially on the re uh, on rewatching watching it and then like you know kind of knowing everything now you're kind of watching and like yeah you're kind of wondering like you know okay wh- where's the danger coming from what are the stakes kind of in it but then you're re-watching and you're just like you're trying to actually find the point on like you know, on, on how long was, you know, Susie in on it the whole time. Like, was she, was she tempted or even in danger at all? You know, because we kind of come to find out that, you know, mother Superior has taken her already. And she's, so it's like Susie at some point buys in already. So it's like, I feel like, I feel like in order to like, kind of understand the way that Susie is like kind of going to buy in to this whole thing that you don't want the stakes to be as uh as dangerous you kind of want to um keep that keep that somewhat
0: alluring vibe to them. Yeah, and I think that and we had talked about this in regards to 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 Carrie that in the fact that this movie is longer I think it's interesting (laughs) that in two of the movies that we've talked about this month uh, the remake has a padded runtime that is filled with an investigation of what's happening and in both movies it's a character investigating something that we as the audience already know is happening so you're kind of just watching them go through the moment uh, go through the motions I wanted to ask as you had mentioned it earlier the dr. Klimper character is one of the few characters like he doesn't really know what's going on and that is like more of the mystery uh, element and angle. What did you think of all of that? Because I think that that's certainly a very divisive thing among even uh, I would say some of the, the the people who love this movie. I would say something that I would uh, I could would consider to be a low point in this in this film for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like
0: they're they. I guess they felt as if they
1: needed this character. Like, yeah, one we kind of need. Um, someone to be interacting with other characters, I suppose, like, and it gives Sarah something else to do and, you know, kind of um, to unravel the thing. But, yeah, like, he's doing the investigation, but we already kind of are knowing. So it's like, uh, why are we kind of with him Uh, versus... And I know it's like we kind of need to get him for the final ritual at the end and then to kind of tie in with, um, you know, this... this. uh, I mean, the movie obviously is like pretty 90 percent, you know women uh in this cast and everything and everything that they're dealing with as far as like these you know um as far as motherhood and sisterhood and like kind of the matriarchy in a way um you know and what that means against men and so like they i don't know so it's like i feel like yeah they put him in here to be like aha yeah see this is a a man that you know he's uh no matter how much he said he loved his wife he actually left her and blah blah and he needs to pay for his sins and it's just like okay but i don't know we could have still had that without again like you said the investigation angle of it because it's like he's investigating and like and and i don't know i mean i guess we do also need those scenes when cuz when he's reading patricia's book that will fill you in on like any questions you have when you're watching yeah. this movie like if you yeah. if you're at any point confused just pause during those scenes of when he's reading patricia's book and like yeah. y- you got you get the movie in in her book i found that actually kind of funny so yeah. i don't know if they needed it for, to have that in there but again yeah do we need this much time on this investigation kind of um Uh, I guess and they use his character to kind of, again, tether in this historical element into the into the film to tie it in with the setting. But it's like, yeah, did it need to be done through him? Like couldn't like we have had uh, gotten some of the same things through like any of the other like witches in the coven or something like that, like to tie in the, the historical element and things like that. Yeah, I feel like they there's ways that they could have did it. Or it's just like Tilda Swinton just really needed to play another character. She goes, hey, I really
0: want to play an 80-something-year-old psychiatrist. How can we make this happen? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to try to limit myself because I, th- I think I could end up talking for like 10 minutes about this point, um, but it really doesn't work for me for a number of reasons. Uh, I love Tilda Swinton. Uh, I think that she's like a really adventurous actor who does like lots of daring and, and exciting things. I think it's super unnecessary that she that she portrays this character in this movie. I think uh, her performance also isn't that great. I I think that the the physicality that she brings to this character is a bit too youthful. There's one sequence of him like entering into the dance, and he's kind of like nervously looking around, and he just. He just looks a little too young. He's like looking pretty quickly, and it's just like he would hurt his neck, man. Like it's just he doesn't. I don't. I never buy him as as an old man. There's one sequence in particular. That I think the makeup and the performance are particularly guilty. And it's with Mia Goth. It's like outside. He confronts her. It's before they have that conversation. But it's like outside in the snow. And the makeup looks terrible. Like it doesn't look uh, uh, realistic at all. I think the fact that it's like lit pretty flatly because of the snow doesn't help at all. Um, so there's like that side of things. Uh, but more importantly, I just don't understand what is trying to be communicated about this character in relation to. To the the movie uh, as as a whole, I understand that that he uh, is like kind of representing this, the you know the, the he's a Holocaust survivor, so he represents kind of like this trauma and this collective guilt that Germany is feeling in like a post uh, World War II era, and uh, the guilt and and of violence and you know the the cycle of violence and historical trauma and all of that kind of stuff. Like I really understand that. I just don't think that it really connects to this dance academy or this coven or Susie as a character um, or Sarah as a character as well. I think that like he, like um, I think that he connects with these characters and like is protective over them because of the trauma that he experiences. But I never think that it's communicated in a clear way, or I think more importantly, in a in a compelling way. I think that there's one sequence um where we see. It's the sequence where Susie is trying to dance, uh, or she's trying to uh, jump in this dance, and it's the scene with um, Madame Blanc, and there's this conversation that they have where Susie is trying to communicate that, like, st- like staying closer to the ground, like reinforces the ideas of the piece, and then Madame Blanc just like unloads into this monologue about structure and world war two and what happened in <laughs> Germany and it just comes out of fucking nowhere. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How does this dance in any way like compare to what happened in World War II? Like, I think it's really like quite a stretch to make these things happen. I think that scene in particular is the biggest example of why it's a stretch for me. Cause it's just like even in that one sequence where it's essentially guadagnino sitting the audience down and saying no dance is like what happened with the nazis i'm just like what the fuck are you talking about dude so yeah dr uh, klimperer as uh, a character for a myriad of reasons it doesn't really work for me i think the historical thing isn't communicated well i think the makeup isn't great tilda swinton's performance is okay at times when the character's not like really moving a ton but i think the youthfulness uh, is is uh, really clashing there so yeah Big no for me, I mean, Devon. I mean,
1: I think yeah. I mean, I guess I don't have as big of a problems. Uh, I don't have as big of a problem on the performance side, like because like I'll be honest, the first time I watched, I didn't know. I thought it, I thought it was just like oh, this is an old like like, yeah,
0: like that first scene where where it's like in the doctor's office is fine. Anytime that he gets up and starts walking around, I'm like oh. Well, no uh, well, <laughs> now we're rewatching,
1: I feel like that's why they have like a random scene of just like what showing him like walk and like take buses from his office back home. And it's like a seven minute sequence of just like watching Tilda Swinton being like, see, I'm, I walk like an old person, uh, <laughs> uh in a, in a kind of funny way. Um, but yeah, like as, uh, yeah, the, the, and because they, they basically tried to chastise him for saying like, Oh, you're, you're only a psychologist and like try to, you know, uh, help people to ease your own guilt. Like you don't do it out of mm-hmm. like the actual passion because because I don't think he was a survivor. He was going through papers and he had like Aryan papers. So I'm pretty sure it was like he like passed as like a non-Jew, but his wife didn't. And she like went off to the camp. And, like, he, like, didn't, like, and he, like, didn't go back for her or something like that. So, like, so, like, they're, they're going for something with that as far as, like, yeah, like, oh, you don't, you don't actually care about the stories of women. You only care about easing your own guilt. And, like, that's kind of what. Puts him in the in the crosshairs yeah. for it's them. A, it's, I, I'm just gonna so, say Devon. I, for
0: all the people that you could condemn for World War II, this fucking guy is a weird you. one to yes. put the sights on. You know. <laughs> well, yes, and I think yeah,
1: I think that is why it's like even though like there is like kind of an angle of like Susie like kind of yes coming into uh except uh the the kind of coven and the whole witchy situation but i feel like yes but choosing to to condemn him is uh the reminder that it's like oh yeah no these are uh these are not uh goals uh the this dance academy they are they are not good uh yeah. they are still uh, definitely evil in their in, you know their provocations yeah. um so yeah so it yeah d- it doesn't tie in all that well but um yeah. but, but i so I feel like yeah, it's something that they just don't even bother with in the, yeah. in the original. Well, I,
0: I was gonna mention. Oh. I think they do bother with. It oh in well, the yeah, they do but a little it's, bit. It's, it's it's much more muted, and I actually this is another example of like it's it's more of a preference thing for me. But I think the subtext of the original film is something akin to like. Um, Uh, the native american imagery in the shining it's there if you notice it cool if you don't that's fine but it's like it's another layer that kind of adds to the complexity of the movie in that in the original film the sequence with the blind guy with the dog that sequence is at like a historical location i don't remember what the name of it is um, but it's a it's a site where like nazis would gather and burn books and I think that, mm. that that sequence enforces kind of subliminally, subliminally or otherwise the ideas that are at play. Because I think that the original film is about kind of the horror that lies beneath. Uh, and that this seemingly uh, just kind of prestigious, beautiful, you know, a dance academy that lots of people want to be a part of has this rot under it. That's kind of also symbolized by the maggots and everything is that. Uh, the the deeper that you go into this structured organization, the more horrifying everything is. So I prefer that because I think that that is very uh, uh, easy to compare the two between what happened uh, in in Nazi Germany and uh, organization organizations and structures and how people can get roped into uh, you know these sort of evil terrifying uh organizations again to use that word uh and then kind of become a part of something that they maybe initially didn't plan for i don't think it's in any way trying to um like explain uh or or, or kind of approve of what's happening but i think it is an exploration of indoctrination and how those can be uh, complacent in these uh, evil acts of atrocity and i think that it is a very uh, uh compelling but really subdued exploration of that that never overshadows the movie or extends its reach too much whereas I think in the the remake it, it really does to where it kind of just it becomes too much of the focus and I never think that it's circled back around so I prefer it as like icing on the cake or s- sort of set dressing rather than no this is a majority of the, the meal that you're consuming oh you
1: know? no and and you and just you explaining that one scene makes more sense than any of the historical stuff that they were trying to add into the well, 2018 <laughs> ones like it like in, in, the, in the worst part is then they kind of go back on all that with the epilogue where it's like oh well she wipes his memory and basically erases his guilt that he has for his wife. So it's like, oh, so then what was – so instead of – so it's like uh, you could have linked that in, but then also uh, obviously I love when a a witchy coven of women that want to just kill men – just kill the men like they do in the original one. That's another uh, fucking thing. You know, come like on. It, I can, it, I can it, have it, another rant. It, <laughs> it, 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 the original, the original one, they like you know they present the men like e- the only character, the only male characters they present. You know they either are shitting on them or they kill them, and like yeah. that's really all you need. Like literally, the first male character we're introduced to in the very first one uh, is you know just like kind of presented that way. Uh, they shit on him. They shit on fucking poor Pablo. Uh, throughout the whole movie and then the blind man you know their piano player they shit on him and then he gets killed um you know so it's like if you just want to show that then do it like they do rather than going this whole convoluted uh psychiatrist route to then eventually go back on it at the end anyway so it's like Yeah. Yeah. You really good. Just got to the point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Here's another thing, Devon. Um, Like the 2018 film, I know it was probably written before, but it was released in a post or maybe even during like Me Too era uh, in America. And this idea of femininity and motherhood and all of these things, I think, are um, really compelling. uh, And I think really those ideas are really clearly illustrated. I just personally don't think, Devon, uh, that <laughs> Guadagnino wanting to tell a story about witches and like how they, too, are able to be condemned. One, it's just a, uh, I, I don't want to say tone deaf because, I, again, it was probably written before. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it came out in uh, this sort of time. But I also think that it just doesn't really line up with what we see and how the real world treats witches. You know, in the term of a witch hunt, and that's thrown around all of the the time nowadays, I just don't really understand why they would want to tell this sort of story. And it seems like they are kind of condemning this coven in a way. And for a film that does, I think, present itself to be pretty feminist and to have a lot of feminist ideas, I just think it's odd. I I just don't understand quite why they would tried to do that and I think the original film just sort of avoids all of it which I think is much I <laughs> much mean, better <laughs> I, I I think it's kind of I think it's kind of similar
1: in the conversation we had about the neon demon in a way that like yes it is kind of showing a you know a you know feminist uh, lens and empowerment in a certain way but at the same time I don't think its main objective is to kind of get to that way I think like you said it is a coincidence on like the time that this came out but it's but like i feel like the me too movement like not only obvious it's obviously that yes it typically is a man of power and a woman of lesser stature but i feel like yeah. it still kind of goes uh beyond gender in a way too that it really uh kind of comes down to you know people abusing power in a certain way so is so even though like yeah we do kind of still have some of these feminist messaging in the 2018 one we also kind of still have this like Oh no, it doesn't matter that they're women and like they kind of promise you this comfort as a traditional quote unquote mother would. He's trying to be like, oh no, like, you know, women are still a danger too. And they can also be evil and abuse powers of uh, uh, abuse positions of power as well. So, I mean, I feel like he's trying to kind of do the two hander where he's like, yes, down with the patriarchy, but also like, oh, but also you've got to go about it this certain way. He's, like, he's trying to do the two-hander. Yeah,
0: I just I just think it's unfortunate, and I don't think that Guadagnino, like, obviously wrote this film or created this movie with like the knowledge of Me Too. It just probably didn't work that way. If anything, they were probably filming the movie when all of that like shit kind of went down if then you know and so i just it's just unfortunate right like the timing of this movie is like you had mentioned it's like the the in another thing you women it's like this kind of weirdly finger waggy sort of uh uh, leaning and the fact that this is written and directed by a man i just don't i don't really love what i do love and i do want to compliment the movie is how it portrays the power of being a mother that's something that we've also talked about um in recent episodes too is motherhood and horror from a male perspective and i like that guadagnino portrays that as multifaceted it's not just this nurturing um uh you know uh, power but there is a destructive um element to it and there is kind of this uh the, the opposite side of that and it shows motherhood is, is multifaceted and, and the relationship between femininity and, and power and the reclaiming of one's agency like I had mentioned before and how all of that is sort of circling around the uh, Madame Blanc character and her relationship with Susie I think is really compelling it's just like maybe stop there you know like like it doesn't need to be like you know, kind of the, the, both sides. I don't think you need to argue for both sides. Uh, I, I think especially in today's a and age, uh, it uh, I just don't necessarily uh, want to hear from the male perspective in in condemning feminism, even if it's just a little bit. I don't know. Like, I think it just, it, it comes out, it strikes me as a bit odd. So I would have preferred uh, just more of the, examination of femininity and and motherhood and the relationship between those two things rather than this power structure and how anyone with power is able to abuse it it's like I understand what he's going for it just doesn't quite work for me
1: yeah I mean I'll say I mean I I I mean I think it works I the only reason it works for me is because by the end of it it still comes down that's just like he goes the route of just like well everybody's gonna fall for this you know you know except for mm-hmm. Susie in a, in a kind of way because you know it's the the coven is you know does all these things under the guise that you know they're doing it out of guidance and you know all these things looking out for the students but no it's not you guys are all looking out for yourselves you're preserving yeah. your own lives and your powers and that's what it is so it's like um and then because whenever Susie is you know uh reveals that you know like no 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 you you, uh, Marcos has been lying this whole time. She was not, uh, you know, anointed by Mother Superior because I am Mother Superior and I didn't anoint her. Um, so it like really kind of comes down on like trying to be like, okay, like yes, you, you, you know, kind of uh took the message on in one way, but then you didn't kind of like look past it, and then now so it's like nope, you're you're also gonna fall as well, and then so it's like you're kind of watching, so and then you kind of go back and you look at Susie throughout the movie. And you're like okay so like again like i always find it compelling trying to like kind of pinpoint where it is that was like what she did like was she already have this intention already from the get-go and was like obviously like she as mother suspiria was like testing them um but like what was she that way from the get-go or was it still Um, she was kind of, uh, again, like kind of similar to Neon Demon groomed a little bit too well, uh, by Madame Blanc and Madame Blanc, like kind of letting her emotions get involved in it. Uh, letting that be the the downfall for them you know yeah and
0: and that word of grooming is literally used in the movie Uh, that's like established very early on that like the the witch uh, the witches that we are seeing in this coven are kind of grooming these young girls which is a very charged word so I, I just think the the employment of that as well as other ideas just in the context in which the movie came out I think muddies things if anything you know
1: yeah, no, for sure, and um, and that's why it's, like, interesting going back and, like, you know, when you go back and rewatch things out of, uh, you know, put a different kind of context around it, and, um, you know, but I think the movie does at least still come to an end where it's, like, uh, it, you know, kind of has this, like, you know, defiant moment with this, like, big ritual and everything, but, like, I love that it's still doesn't feel like a good for her movie either. Like I feel like he doesn't fall into that trap because like it, this yeah. shouldn't be that, you know, like, you know, a lot of kind of a similar way that like we, you know, people talk about Midsummer and it's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's not actually good for her. Um, I feel like maybe this uh, presents it in a much more obvious way that like, it's like, Oh no, I still feel pretty icky about, uh you know, Susie's position after all this, after, you yeah. know, uh, you see uh, this uh, final ritual which um even though the the remake um is you know with its kind of longer runtime doesn't have as much horror imagery as the original.
0: Um yeah. and what,
1: I, I do enjoy this finale quite a
0: bit. Um yeah the finale of the remake um I, I love both. I think the the original finale is really iconic. Like it's got one of the most famous shots of the movie. It's like on most of the uh, box art or, or album art or whatever it's the shot of her like holding the I think it's a little stiletto uh, like the the knife uh, yeah uh, it's like a broken ornament yeah 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 like holding that uh, I, I think that that's such an iconic shot and then um, Mother Suspiria like behind the sheer bed curtain uh, with like the uh, the the disembodied voice that we're hearing is super unsettling and like really creepy the ma- makeup effects Not great you know the movie is like it's like 60 years old at this point uh it doesn't look great but I think the lead up to that scene is really like nightmarish and horrifying uh and I think that in the remake I like the uh the sequence of the uh this kind of um ritual that they're having I like that it's a bit more of a finale of this you know wicker man-esque ritual not to spoil my movie math at all but this culmination of events um I really like that um, and I, I, I like how it uh, kind of com- uh, pairs well with the, the dance that we have and, you know, leading up to this performance, uh, another sort of performative element of it. Um, I, I like how those two things are connected, uh, but there's just like small stuff that I don't really love. Uh, I think that Mother Suspiria also in the remake doesn't look great. Um, I think it looks downright silly at some points. Um, And then uh, Tilda Swinton getting uh, decapitated uh, is like some of the worst CGI in the movie. It's got some really terrible like uh, uh, CG blood uh, squibs and all of that kind of stuff. I I think it looks uh, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, So unfortunately, um, all of that doesn't look great. However... Uh, The scene with Dakota Johnson, like tearing open her chest and having like this vagina heart is like really striking and super effective and really creepy. Um, So I I, I really like um, all of that. And then you, of course, have the um, uh, the the famous I am she line, which is great. Um, But yeah, there's just there's some stuff that I don't really love, but I I really do like both uh, finales here. Yeah, um,
1: it, it's interesting because, like, again, I I don't love the pacing of the original because it does start off with such a big crescendo and you know, debatably, the best scene of the movie, kind of in this first like fifteen minutes. But then uh, I do like, um, it, you know, we we get um, kind of at the midway point is um when we have Sarah in the in the barbed wire room, uh, is like uh is really uh you know striking and everything. And then yeah, the the um the the finale. Uh, definitely is very striking in a way, but just like just the way that um, the movie is kind of formatted. I was just like, you know, I feel like the movie is just like kind of chasing the high of that first scene for the rest of the movie versus. Uh, yeah. in the remake, it's kind sure. of more of a gradual build up to this where we kind of, you know, um, um, like um, the the scene where they are doing like their climactic like dance, like before the ritual and then you see sarah come in and like we know that her like leg was just broken so you're like kind of watching that scene and you're thinking yeah. like she's going to like collapse or like her like legs going to like give out or at some point mm-hmm. like so just the tension of that scene yeah. on top of like them really eating that
0: dance routine it's pretty fucking great It's Uh so good. And I love the imagery of the um, the outfits that they're wearing. It's like this BDSM, like a red rope sort of dress corset that they're all wearing. I think it's like the perfect mix of um, beautiful and sort of inhuman uh, mixed with like 20 percent sex, you know, like uh, maybe 30 percent sex. Um, I I think that that's like a a really uh, striking uh, scene in the movie. And you're right. The way that it kind of intercuts between. Uh, the, the routine and then Sarah who uh, Mia Gott's character like steps into this hole and mm-hmm. like shatters her leg really fucking gnarly and what makes it almost worse is that the fact that she's unable to get her leg out and so she's just like her legs like in this bind where she just like just you know and then anytime uh, she moves it just
1: like breaks a little bit
0: more it's so gross and so yeah uh, it's oh god it just gives me the shivers but then the the almost like even creepier part is that under this trance they kind of put her back into the dance and make her go dance with said broken leg Um, and I think the setup is way creepier than the payoff. I think it's kind of this ticking time bomb of carnage just like waiting for that little um, uh, bandage that they have on her leg just give out and her leg mm-hmm. just breaks again even more like even more um, severely. I never really feel like it has that payoff that the lead up is kind of promising. Um, there never is like that, that just, she kind of just falls over. But you know, I think we that's so really kind
1: of fun in like a, and like kind of a false like expectation. I mean, cause like, that's what exactly Luca Guadagino
0: what, is like edging the fucking audience. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause that's exactly like,
1: that's exactly like what we are waiting for. Like <laughs> exactly, I thought she was yeah. going to like do like a stomp and then her like fucking leg was just going to like snap yeah, again. That so I was not kinda, quite as
0: bad as you think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I was like, I, I was kind of waiting and, um, but I, and I love that you know, the, the, the rope look too also like adds in again, like, you know, for the first part of the dance, the, the music is like pretty like low and restrained. There's no rhythm to it. It's only like melody. So like all yeah. the rhythm is like coming from like their steps and like the ropes, like kind of swinging against their body, yeah. you know? And, and the movie does the, this uh, same detail twice um, because during the, um, during the pretzel dance scene, whenever they're throwing Olga around and everything, there's a point where uh, Madame Blanc uh, tells Tanner to turn the music up, so it drowns out Olga screaming. Yeah. And then during the the, uh, dance scene, they do that again. It's like Sarah's down below screaming, and then that's when, in the score it like starts adding in like more instrumentation and it, like builds over yeah. her screams again. So it's just mm-hmm. like, there's like, ah, oh, turn it up. What, 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 what are you hearing? No, you didn't yeah. hear that. <laughs> um, I, I think that's a very interesting, but yeah, the, the finale, like I, even though like I know the, slow motion thing was like again kind of like homaging like you know some like previous techniques and stuff i feel like that finale scene would have been just like fine without it you know like because like there's a part where there isn't slow motion you just like kind of see everybody's bodies moving and writhing and everything it's just like a very like oh that's a cool like image from this that we're like kind of um you know getting over this or underneath this like effect of it but you know it's uh you know it goes big and bloody but what i love even more is the only part of the epilogue that i like is watching the the coven clean up after the ritual Mm -hmm. i find that hilarious because like no you never think about that like you always see the ritual at the end of a movie and then it's like it's done and like no you never think about like while you're cleaning up the ritual and you like kind of look over at someone like Oh yeah, this was pretty crazy, huh? Like, you know, (laughs) like, I I find that super funny.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's also worth noting that at this time, uh, in rewatching this movie, it was about the time where I was kind of like, how much is left in this in this thing? And I like paused it. and <laughs> There was still like forty minutes left, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this movie's so fucking long! <laughs> it's like really uh, deceptive. You think it's about to be like the ending of the movie, and then it just like continues to keep going. <laughs> oh, there was only, there was only like fifteen minutes after maybe, maybe after at the that ritual. point, but like the but, I think like the Mia Goth dance sequence. There's still like, forty yeah, yeah. or so minutes left. Oh, yeah in, yeah, in the film, yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, air, you thought, uh, air quote finale. You know? Oh, yeah. you thought the dance part was going to be the
1: finale, not the ritual. Afterwards. Well, like I, I remember
0: the ritual happened, yeah. but I didn't think it was going to be like thirty minutes later. You know, I thought it was like pretty gotcha, short yeah. Uh, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, but yeah, these uh, these movies they definitely go in uh, such a you know pretty vastly different directions. Uh, so so our, uh, for our final thoughts, uh, what were we gonna give this out of out of five?
0: Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, um, there's not out of five, uh, what body hooks. Uh, sure. Fine. <laughs> out of five body hooks. Oh, God, just disgusting. Um, I think that I actually give these movies, uh, the same score. Um, and I, I don't know. It's tough because I think that each movie does a good job at what it's trying to do. I think Suspiria doesn't, the original, doesn't have enough of what I would really want to make it like exemplary for me. Um, I really appreciate it uh, fully on certain levels like vibe and style um, and, um, the, the filmmaking side of things, I really appreciate all of that, but from like a, a thematic and a plot and a character level, I just don't think it has quite enough for me to like really love that movie as much as some people do. I really admire it. Um, but it, for me, it's just not, uh, it doesn't quite hit as hard. The remake never really uh, like it. Just kind of overstays its welcome, uh, for a lack of better words. And I, I think it just gets to the point, like I had said, where I'm kind of just checking my watch, and I'm like, how much longer in this thing, you know? And I, I think the original film, for um, all of the its bruises, I would say I appreciate the brevity of it all, even if it's not paced the best. So yeah, it is kind of a Goldilocks situation, but I still enjoy both of these movies for different reasons, and I would still give both of them. Uh, I would say three and a half out of five little body meat hooks for both of them. Three out of five for both or three, or, and a half. Uh, three and a half out of five. Yeah. For both of them, even though I, I, I like them both for different reasons, but I still think that each of them are missing something uh, for me or, you know, uh, whether it's I need more or I need less, but they're, yeah, they're both about a three and a half out of five for me. Okay.
1: I see. I see where you're at. Um, Yeah. I'm kind of, in, I mean, I'm in a similar boat, but my score is a little bit different Um, because yeah, I feel like, as much as I am a, uh, you know, spooky vibes uh, person. And, it, you know, it, you would think that Suspiria would be, like, one of my, like, all-time favorites, um, even though, it, you know, for how striking it is and how impressive it does use its filmmaking techniques in, you know, employing this terror. Um, yeah, it just does not have enough story. It doesn't have enough uh, characters. Because, um, I mean, we have all these characters. We learn nothing about any of them. Uh, the mystery is the mis- the mystery is vague and mysterious because there's not much there to it, not because the story is actually going through the effort of you know making it mysterious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so so I feel like yeah, there's just definitely not as much there and. Uh, the pacing is just a little, you know, it's kind of bookended with these two really great set pieces, but then kind of through the middle, it's just kind of meandering from these different scenes. Like, I mean, the, the sleepover scene in the middle of the gym, like, I mean, I guess that's kind of all right, um, you know, and then, but, but again, from aside from this, like, opening and the beginning, uh, the middle chunk kind of just doesn't really do all that much for me. Um, so the original one, I'm at a three and a, uh, I'm at a, a three out of five meat hooks um, kind of went down from my previous uh, watches of it, because, again, not in its uh, kind of exper- uh, prime experience form. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely kind of uh, lacks a little bit more in that in that way versus, like you said, yeah, the, the 2018 one, a little bit, just a lot too much. But here's the thing. I love a lot of the things the things that you know that don't need to be there like those can be gone and the stuff that is like I really love like I really yeah. like um you know the the caddy politics among the coven and like you know them and the whole voting and backstabbing each other and they kind of have their own factions and stuff and like mm-hmm. I love all that stuff uh I, and like the the hierarchy within the coven and you know the way that they you know choose to look at the the school you know, Madame Blanc, like, even though she's like, yeah, I'm here for the coven, I'm here for everything, but, like, I am still here for the art of it all versus, like, a lot of the other yeah. coven members are like, no, this is just our fucking thing to get girls to do the ritual. Like, we, we, we you know, so it's like, I like uh, all those dynamics, the, the creepy sexual dynamic between Susie and Madame Blanc. Like, I love all that stuff and, and the, the power of the, the dance witchcraft and everything. Like, I really love a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, just the, the Klemper stuff. It's too much historical stuff. Too much. Don't need all this. Way too much time here. Um, it like, and and again, I'm usually not somebody that complains about like long movies or anything like that. It's just, um, it it doesn't it doesn't uh slog the film for me. But it's just kind of like, again, like now whenever I watch it, I like there's like I have my like certain points that I'm just like, oh, this is where I fast forward ten <laughs> minutes to here. This is where I fast forward here. Just so it's like, yeah. I kind of have my like mental bookmarks for it now. So. I will still give the remake a four out of five because, again, it does kind of grow on me a little bit more and I appreciate it a little bit more each time I do watch it. But uh, I still have not, um, even though I appreciate other aspects more, I still uh, see the other stuff and I'm like, nope,
0: still getting nothing out of this. (laughs) You know what it feels like to me? It feels like the remake is a director's cut. You know, which uh, uh, is not necessarily a compliment, but more of like, this isn't the version that theatrically probably would have gotten released, but instead adds things that aren't like completely unnecessary, but just a little superfluous, you know, so the fact that this is just in the final cut, it's like... Okay, you know, you probably could have trimmed a bit of uh, some of this, but I guess, you know, have fun. That's so true, like, because like how we mentioned
1: with like, it's weird release strategy, like this was like, always going to be just straight to Amazon, and then it had like a limited theatrical run. So yeah. like, yeah, I feel like that makes so much more sense that like somebody just didn't tell uh, Luca d- and no, uh, they, didn't, they didn't. They just said, hey, uh, this is fine. Yeah, this cut right here. Perfect. Yeah. Put it in. It's in the can. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, you know, but uh, I, again, still very much appreciate uh, the different things that they have to offer. But uh, let's see what other movies we were thinking about while we were talking Suspiria.
0: Oh! Uh, Here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes by playing a game called uh, Movie Math. You just have to take some of the uh, films that reminded you of uh, the movie of discussion today and put it in a mathematical equation. Um, I'm taking the original film, and then we can hop to uh, Devon, who has got the remake. Uh, In my equation, I have in parentheses, I have Rosemary's Baby plus The Wicker Man uh, times The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, all of that to the power of deep red. Uh, I think for Rosemary's Baby, you have this uh, this construction of uh, femininity and this woman who is thrust into this cult-like situation, uh, and it's kind of them uncovering the mystery of it all. Plus the Wicker Man for you know the, the for the obvious reasons, uh, pagan rituals and this uh, society of women. Uh, I have both of those like I said in parentheses times the umbrellas of Cherbourg which is not a horror movie Uh, it's actually a musical from uh, about this era maybe a couple years before Um, but it's also like a really saturated really vibrant like visually striking movie um, that I think uh, is you know not necessarily the same but kind of comes close to having the. um, the, the colorfulness and the saturation of Suspiria and then um, all of that raised to the power of Deep Red because Giallo. You have to have some Giallo in there uh, and that's another um, Argento movie so I guess it's kind of cheating uh, but Deep Red is kind of considered like the quintessential um, Giallo movie and although Suspiria isn't i would say like strictly giallo um i do think that there's enough elements that would classify it uh, classify it as giallo so i had to include uh, at least one jala movie uh in my equation but what do you got Devon?
1: yeah um as far as like the Jalo thing because i didn't i never weighed in on that yeah suspiria it 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 it, because the whole Jalo thing kind of plays more on the uh the the mass killer mystery angle versus yeah. um versus the the supernatural uh they typically tend to be like the more grounded one so i've noticed yeah. that's kind of the the split that people have between uh certain things being shallow or not if it like kind of uh leans into the the supernatural a little bit more so that's the only reason i guess i typically don't even though there is a killer going around i mean yeah okay i guess i just uh, put myself into it okay yeah. suspiria shallow um uh with the, the filmmaking aesthetics of course added mm-hmm. into it. But uh have not seen The Umbrella's a Chambord, so I will uh, have to throw I, uh, down a
0: list. I have it in my equation and I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> oh. Bad. Um I'm I'm a big musical guy. Uh it's it's a musical And uh, I I contest that there's no songs in the movie. It's literally just people talking to uh, like melody, like they're just having a conversation and they're just singing every conversation. And it's like nails on a chalkboard to me, Um, but it's really pretty. So I put it in my equation. Uh, But yeah, not for me. Not for me. All right. All right. Well,
1: in mine, um, I kind of have. I feel like some movies that have been included in some other, uh, equations, some that we've actually covered here on the pod. Um, so for mine in parentheses, I have, um, I got the witch, um, for, you know, kind of, uh, similar aesthetic reasons, um, uh, for the kind of coming of age aspect, um, of Susie. I kind of see a, a parallel between Susie and, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's characters, uh, in that film as kind of, uh, you know, kind of coming in and, Uh, You know, unraveling their feelings about these, you know, mysterious powers and things like that Um, added into uh, You Won't Be Alone, which we covered on here not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, uh, you know, kind of uh, figuring yourself out uh, as far as like your, you know, kind of feelings of uh, trying to navigate being a woman in the world. And, uh, you know, what it means to be a woman and motherhood and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of vague nature of the, you know, witchcraft elements to it. Um, you know, I like that that movie has. Um, it, obviously, uh, it doesn't have a musical component, but it has its own like very specific way of portraying witchcraft versus in Suspiria. They do it with the dance. Uh, so yeah. kind of having just like that. And um, I have those in parentheses. Uh, multiplied by a cure for wellness um, because it kind of has, again, uh, that's another movie that is very long, uh, very gorgeous, very artsy, but has this historical element that just doesn't really tie into the movie as well as uh, it could. Um, yeah. a kind of a thing that brings that movie down a little bit is just like the third act
0: is just like wait what what is what are you trying to
1: do here 100%. yeah that um, movie uh, is
0: like the cinematic equivalent of like you know like somebody you know like at a halftime show at a basketball game and they're like running up to the trampoline and they jump and you think they're gonna get it and they just like fall flat on their face that's that's what that movie is to me <laughs> i mean the, the first two thirds are like
1: phenomenal so and then great the, the, so the, good the third act just shits the bed so hard yeah. but yeah. um so M- Mia Goth also uh, in that yeah, movie too. Mia, Mia Goth also make an appearance, but also in uh, kind of its presentation as well. It uh, has this muted monochrome aesthetic to it, uh, portraying uh, this uh, this building, the structure in a in certain way and giving it lots of personality. Uh, that's one thing we kind of didn't mention about 2018 Suspiria. Uh, the set decoration is phenomenal. I feel like all the uh the academy feels like an actual like real dance academy and like yeah. with these dorms that are like very lived in and uh the way that again like just like it sounds when people walk across the floor in either barefoot or certain shoes and has mm-hmm. a very uh, lived in kind of texture to the location of it but then also um with the uh kind of muted stylish uh flourishes as well so that's what I got for mine and and as we're kind of coming to the end of this and i always like to introduce like new ideas like when we're going into a uh, start a new month uh we always joke about coming up with like wordplay things like very late in the game Mm -hmm. and i know even though um we've kind of just accepted movie math at this point uh but i know we've always joked about like oh we could probably come up with something more clever but we just haven't i might i might have it i might have what do you got synometry like cinema, like cin- <laughs> no. Boo, vetoed. <laughs> like cinema, cinema geometry. No, you're not feeling it. It's not geometry. There's no shapes related. <laughs> but but as a branch of math, like because like it's like you know trigonometry. That's also a thing. I guess uh,
0: yeah. You could put a Twitter poll out there. I like the simplicity I mean, of moving. I mean, math.
1: It, I, I mean, it wouldn't exactly work with like sin because I mean, I guess that's more <laughs> what we're doing. We're doing like yeah. algebra, and, and that that doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Dang. Yeah. I was expecting to get shot down that hard. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, all buddy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Another, I'm usually uh, a
0: pretty yes and kind of guy, but that's a it's a big no from me. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, I guess I'll ask you again in another
0: year when yeah, when we we'll possibly see. figure it out. Perhaps, yeah Put it on the Twitter poll And we'll see what the people think
1: Oh, uh, that's funny, but um, but yeah, as I mentioned, that is uh, going to, well, at least uh, for movie coverage, that's going to close out our Remake Mania. We do have a bonus episode for our, we got a fifth week here in May, and it is also going to be kind of my birthday episode, so I wanted to do just something a little different. We're going to kind of do a, a little list episode with uh, me, you, and Donato, talk about some uh, movies we would love to see get remade. I think that'll uh, make for a really fun little
0: uh, roundtable discussion to close out Remake Mania. Yes, this has been a really exciting month, but I'm, uh, I'm interested to look inward a little bit. Usually I'm a little hesitant to movies that I like to get remade. So I think this will be a good time uh, to kind of share some some uh, movies that I think could be uh, a really good example. And uh, love Donato. Love having him on.
1: Yeah, so that's going to be a good time to look out for for that, and then, uh, but yeah, as far as uh, themes proper, this will be the last episode, and then in two weeks, we will start in on our celebration of camp for Pride Month, and uh, I'm very excited for the lineup of movies that we got. Um, we, we, I think we understood the assignment, and this is going to be a good time.
0: Yes, we have a good lineup of movies and an even better lineup of guests, so I am also very, very excited
1: alrighty and um, so of course what are you working on right now what you got going
0: uh, you guys can follow me over uh, on uh, TikTok or Letterboxd or Instagram or, or Twitter at uh, Garrett McDowell I'm um, talking about movies on probably one of those platforms uh, but if you want to hear some more podcasts uh, from me you could subscribe to my Star Wars podcast Scum and Villainy um, all of that is included in the description below as well as on my uh, Twitter so we would love to have you guys over there of course, links to all that in the description for both of us,
1: um, as usual. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at underscore Daddy Disco. Uh, you can hear me over on the Pod and Pendulum podcast. I also uh, just uh, made an appearance on uh, Ladies and Ligaments. Uh, we did a nice little discussion on uh, uh, the progressive nature of horror um, and uh, the kind of current status of that. And it was a really uh, fun conversation. Also, I have an appearance on uh, the What a Scream podcast coming up as well. So be on the lookout for that. Busy boy. But... Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.